your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Gunn. Follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. Follow my co-host, Cammy at CammyNG. Follow the show, LO underscore the Longhorns on Twitter. Well, Cammy, it is finally Friday. we got a lot to get into today. We're going to talk a little bit about Juwan Mitchell, some of the comments that he's making, the president or interim president and athletic director met with team, Kamar Wheaton, Colin Johnson, and we'll talk a little bit about the 2020 season. But first, let's get into this Juwan Mitchell's comments. Have you read the comments that he made in regards to the upcoming season? Yes, I know um, it kind of reminded his comments reminded me of Brennan Eagles. They both kind of uh, just uh, came out of left field on Twitter one day and stated that they weren't really uh, comfortable, I guess, representing the University of Texas. And so uh, obviously that can be taken in a lot of ways, but it was definitely significant and probably the biggest news of the week. Yeah. So if you're unfamiliar, Jawan Mitchell came out uh, prior to. I guess it was like right after the meeting with uh yeah it sounded uh, like it it sounded like it was right after the meeting and it basically came out and said that he didn't feel comfortable uh representing you know representing the university uh yeah. he said it's about doing doing what's right with that being said i do not feel comfortable representing the the university uh you know and then and then he came out like after that and he said look it's it's not about taxes it's not anything the team did you know, he's, it was just all about, you know, doing what's right, like you said. And I think, you know, that didn't sit well with fans, I think, at, at first. But I think if you if you really think about it, try to put yourself in his shoes, you can yeah. understand where he's coming from. And, yeah, you may not like it because, you know, it, he represents a team that you love to watch on Saturdays, you know. And it's like, yeah, these high expectations. But I think we have to do a better job of understanding where they're coming from. And mm-hmm. you know, as far as the social injustice and what's going on in the nation right now, I know a lot of people don't want to talk about that. They kind of use sports as their uh, distraction, um, you know, to get away. Uh, but at the same time, you have to realize that these guys are people, too. Yeah, I think it was definitely um, smart of him, I guess, to kind of explain where he was coming from shortly after. I'm I'm glad to hear, and hopefully this is true, that it didn't really have to deal with uh, Texas or the football program as a whole because Tom Herman, I think, has been kind of uh, – one of the most, I guess, outspoken coaches in college football. And you can you can really tell he genuinely has each of his players back. And uh, we mentioned he would run through or create a hole for them if needed. So I definitely encourage and am pleased to see so many play- players speaking up over the social and racial injustice issues, like you mentioned, uh, that are going on in the country. And I think they should certainly stick up for uh, whatever they feel is best. And I think where it gets tricky in terms of social media and Twitter and things like that is when, um, for example, when they spoke out on the coronavirus issues, such as a few players on Twitter mentioning uh, that they were unaware of teammates testing positive and things like that. I think that's where it can get kind of um, tricky and harmful for you in terms of the program. I'm not sure uh, what the players were told or when, so I can't really speak on that. But it just seems like Texas is in the news every week for one thing or another. So um, I definitely don't envy Tom Herman right now or uh, really anyone in that program. It seems like a very uh, fragile and, I guess, fluid situation for sure. Yeah, and so the interim president, Jay Hartzell, uh, athletic director Chris Del Conte, met with the football team recently 
to discuss some of the the issues that they brought up with uh, Brennan Eagles had shared a document that they had put together on some of the things that they were requesting. Uh, one of the big things that they talked about was the eyes of Texas and, and the origins. And, you know, it's interesting because and you're seeing this from players. Uh, Jared Wiley was one. He's like, oh, because Florida uh, is no longer using the term gator bait. Mm-hmm. You know, the origin of that, you know, their president uh, came out and said, you know, I, the gator bait term doesn't uh, he didn't think Florida necessarily used it in that way. But because of its, you know, origin and connotation, it's no longer allowed at the University of Florida. Uh, you know, and like Jeremy, like, oh, well, if, if you can do that, you can take something that, you know, school tradition away. You know, they're kind of looking at Texas like, where, where are y'all at? Because we've we've talked to you about this. And, you know, and, and the AD and the president, like I said, they met with the football team and, and they said this was just the first conversation because they're going to meet with as many athletes as they can. So from each sport, mm-hmm. you know, it's just obviously the football team was the one that's been the most vocal about it. Yeah, I think that's, um, I know there's been several different, I guess, ideas on how to go about that floating around on Twitter. I know some people uh, were changing the language in the eyes of Texas. Um, Some wanted to uh, not require the athletes to have to sing it after a game and things like that. So um, there's definitely a lot of ideas floating around. I think it's smart of them to meet with uh, several different athletes, several different sports, uh, coaches, players, students, things like that. Um, And hopefully they can kind of all uh, come to an agreement on how to move forward. But um, like I mentioned, this is such a fluid and I guess unusual situation right now that um, a lot of people are going through. So um, I guess we'll just kind of have to wait and see how that plays out. Yeah, we definitely will. Uh, but you know, the great thing, and we're, I want to talk about this real quick, uh, the Lockdown Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Lockdown is matching a total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000 to make your donation along with us. Once you go check it out, it's at lockdownpodcast.com forward slash Black Lives Matter. All right, we're going to dive into some more Longhorn Chocos. We talk about the Kamar Wheaton sweepstakes, Colin Johnson with a new contract, and is he one of the biggest steals from the recent NFL draft? But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a great way if you're needing some parts for your automobile. They have great prices, very reliable, uh, all the parts that you would ever need. I want you to check them out at rockauto.com. The great thing about this is you don't have to go to the store. You don't have to stand in line. You don't have to try to describe what you need. Um, you know, talk to the guy at the counter about what make, what model. Uh, you know, do you want their cheapest brand? Do you want their most expensive? Do you want name brand? The great thing is that you can go to rockauto.com and you get those low prices. So I want you to check them out. Next time you need something, be like our guy over at the Locked On Saints. He needed a new tailgate for his truck because the previous one was stolen off. He went to rockauto.com. He was able to get what he needed. Prices was low. And now he's driving around with that tailgate already installed on his truck. But check him out. Go to rockauto.com. You will not be disappointed. I mean, when you think five-star running back, who comes to mind? Uh, Bijan Robinson right now. but uh, Bijan no, Robinson, yes. Yeah, but I think when you talk about five-star running backs, um, 
obviously uh, anyone who's rated a five-star running back would be a pleasure to, I guess, commit or have joined the uh, Texas roster. And I know a lot of people mentioned that uh, Texas doesn't really need any more running backs right now, but like we always say, iron sharpens iron and um, some prospects play out, some don't. So you can never have too much talent in one room. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at previous years, uh, one of the top recruits ever was a five-star running back, Jonathan Gray, and he never really lived up to the hype. Right. You know, and, I, and I'm not to say that Bijan's ever going to be that way. Um, I think a lot of people have high expectations, myself included. Uh, but you can't go wrong with continuing to bring in talent. Um, I mean, look at Alabama. They, they bring in five-star after five-star. Uh, and, and they're one of those teams that are constantly in the national championship picture. Uh, mm-hmm. But recently, 24-7 wrote about Kamar Wheaton, a guy who has a crystal ball prediction. Uh, to go to Oklahoma. However, Alabama, LSU are pursuing him as well as Texas. And 24-7 said that, you know, it's still an open competition. Um, you know, and, and so when you look at guys that they have coming in, I mean, if you could add a guy like Wheaton to, you know, because eventually you're going to – Roshan Johnson's going to be gone. Right. Deontay Ingram is going to be gone. And, and then you're going to have Bijan. And I think with Texas and the way that they like to operate their offense, they need more than one running back. So it would be smart to continue to go after these guys, especially with a guy like Kamar Wheaton, who is a five-star composite uh, Dallas product. He's out of uh, Garland. Uh, you know, so they, they talked about Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma are all in a good position along with Texas. They say SMU could pose a threat as an outsider, but – at this point in time, the top four are the ones listed. Uh, Cami, are you, are you hoping that this is another one of those five-star steals that maybe Tom Herman can get involved in and, and kind of flip him away uh, from Oklahoma? Yeah, I am. And I think it's pretty attractive. Like you mentioned that Texas isn't afraid to use several different running backs um, to get significant playing time. So uh, he'll definitely be on the field if he were to choose Texas. But I think another reason Texas should go pretty hard after him is one, like I mentioned, you can't have too much talent um, at one position, iron sharpens iron, and two, just to get him away from Oklahoma. So I really don't want him to go to Oklahoma. I wouldn't uh, be too hurt if he went to Alabama or LSU or even SMU or something along those lines. But um, it would definitely uh, be a little bit painful to see a five-star running back uh, head over to Oklahoma because like we uh, already know, they have so many different weapons, I guess, on offense already as it is. So, um, yeah, I I don't necessarily think, I'm not leaning towards him coming to Texas, but um, whatever we can do to get him away from Oklahoma would be great. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. I mean, obviously, right now, it's not one of those things where you look at the roster and how it's, it's laid out for Texas right now. It's not one of those things where, like, they need Wheaton. Right. Um. But it's it's one of those players that I think you bring him in and that just makes your offense even more lethal. And and when you talk about playing teams like Oklahoma, uh, you have LSU, um, you know, in, in future they got, you know, Michigan, Alabama, Ohio State. You're going to need high-powered offenses to deal with those guys. Right. And so adding as many weapons as you can and with Mike Yersich running the offense, you're going to want to get those playmakers on the field. Uh, so why not add one more by adding Kamar Wheaton if they can pull it off? Uh, recently, former Texas Longhorn wide receiver who's top six all time in, in receptions and yards, Colin Johnson signed his contract to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
Not a big surprise, but I'm sure he is relieved to finally have that done and the ink has dried on his new contract. Oh, for sure. He announced them um, actually with pictures and all on Twitter on Thursday that he officially signed his rookie contract. So um, that's definitely a new beginning for him. I know he's excited for that. Uh, like you mentioned, he ranks sixth in school history at Texas with 188 receptions, and he's the fifth most in yardage with 2,624. So he'll definitely be missed, and he has such a unique uh, big-bodied frame, and obviously we've witnessed all those acrobatic circus catches uh, from time to time. So I'm excited for Jaguars fans to kind of uh, get a glimpse of that, I'm sure, uh, throughout training camp or preseason as long as uh, we still have any part of that. Um, He'll be able to witness that quite a bit. He does kind of have a tough, I guess, path ahead of him in terms of working up the depth chart. I know uh, D.D. Westbrook, Chris Conley, D.J. Chart, all of them are out there. But um, he provides like kind of a can't-miss target for Gardner Minshew and such a young quarterback. And so uh, he could at least be a red zone target early on. But um, I think it might take a couple of years for him to fully get significant playing time. Yeah, I think it might be one of those things or you know when you when you think about where he was drafted and everything so the expectations levels aren't where they would be if say he was a, a day one day two pick mm-hmm. um, but even draft wire who recently he's part of the usa today sports media group they recently named him as the jaguar still of the draft yeah and I mean, I guess his talent wise. So I was kind of thinking about this when I was reading that article, him selected in the fifth round um, at number 165 overall, I think is a steal in itself just uh, due to his talent and things like that, because in a lot of NFL mock drafts, he was uh, widely projected, I guess, in the third or fourth round. So I think um, that was a steal regardless of the depth that they have at that particular position. So um, I definitely think that was a sneaky uh, pick for Luke Easterling over at the draft draft wire but um, I think it's definitely going to play out for him like I mentioned he has such a unique frame um, and he's kind of a campus guy when he walks onto the field so um, I'm looking forward to seeing how his professional career goes yeah it's you know it's funny because you were looking at that and it's like I you know I didn't if you were to tell me that there was a Texas former Texas wide receiver that was still in the draft I would have thought it would have been Devin me too, but I uh, think he kind of the reason he didn't was because he kind of fell at that uh, realistic spot that we thought he would go, and I think Johnson kind of slid down the board a little bit. So uh, that's probably why. But in terms of, I guess, success in the uh, NFL, I think Devin Duvernay is just going to uh, be hot from the start. Yeah, especially given that offense and how they like spread it around, and now you added his speed to go along with you know Hollywood Brown. There's mm-hmm. a lot there. Um, you know, so it's gonna be interesting to watch how that unfolds. But yeah, I like the fact that they're, you know, that Colin is getting some recognition. Obviously, like you talked about, it's crowded wide receiver group there. But if he can work his way into a lot of red zone opportunities, you know, get that rapport with Gardner Minshew, maybe, you know, that helps catapult his NFL career, get on the field more because they'll have that familiarity. And they know the one great thing that we knew from watching Colin Johnson over the years is that he comes out with some ridiculous catches, like the body control, uh, his ability to, you know, fly through the air and and get, get that ball, uh, you know, make those circus level catches, you know, a big frame, obviously his, uh, his catch radius is huge. He's got long arms. I think there's a lot to like about what he's going to bring to that offense down in Jacksonville as they try to rebuild that offense and, and try to get back towards the top of their division. Uh, But coming up next, we're going to get into what's going on on the 40 acres as far as the players and getting ready for the season. Uh, First, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. You know, Built Bar's changed the game when it comes to the energy bar 
you're talking about 100 calories, less seven times less carbs, sometimes less sugar than their leading competitors. That's a great thing. It provides energy. It tastes great. You don't. It's not watered down. I want you to go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. They're going to give you $10 off your first box. But if that's not good enough, you can take advantage of their sale that they're doing up to four boxes at 50% off. If you buy two, it's 35% off. That's a great deal. So I can buy four boxes for the price of two. There's so many great flavors. You got to try them all. But just try the peanut butter. I'm a huge peanut butter fan. I love it. I think you will too. Go ahead and check them out. Go to BuiltBar.com. So Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci, have you heard this name before? Yes, pretty popular um, in terms of sports and athletics on Twitter, I believe. Uh, popular, maybe, <laughs> depending on which side I, I guess, of the spectrum uh, you're on. I guess familiar, well-known type of name, not necessarily one that people are a major fan of. Yeah, no, they're not a fan of him. And I'll tell you why they're not a fan. Because he said that we could possibly have 2020 without football. That is not going to sit well with fans. I think he's, but he's smart about it. I mean, he's he's telling you the realistic thing here. And, and right. you know, the thing that he said without being in a bubble, you know, and kind of keeping everything in without fans in the stands and all this, uh, it's hard to imagine that they're going to be able to not only start, but, you know, finish a season. And it was interesting because uh, if you listen listen or read Brian Davis of the Austin American Statesman, uh, you know, he spoke with someone at another school in leadership, and he said 70% feel like the season will start on time, but only 30% feel that they're actually going to finish the season. Yeah, I thought um... – I don't know necessarily know how to take his original comments about not having football this season, but I did like how the NFL responded and uh, basically reiterated that uh, it was a fluid uh, situation. They're constantly going to be changing and upgrading and uh, doing different types of safety precautions throughout the season, um, uh, but that they were basically on schedule to begin. So I think that was kind of a, a pushed aside, I guess his comments were pushed aside about no football this season. So um I don't know if it was just for attention or if he was just trying to take the safe route or just trying to please some people, but uh, I would definitely be very, very shocked if there is no football. Uh, yeah. I kind of feel like it's going to happen. Um, you know, there's a lot of arguments being made right now for and against, and, you know, I get it. But at the same time, if you look at what the NFL is doing, what the big 12 is doing, what NCAA is doing, everything is gearing up towards playing football this year. So I highly doubt that they wouldn't play. Yeah. Football. Um, so let's just talk about being in a bubble, right? <laughs> yeah. Currently the Texas uh, Longhairs have, Longhorns have 23 players in self-isolation right now. I know it's so discouraging because we've kind of had a week of ups and downs, obviously those two big commitments on Monday. And then obviously the players commenting on Twitter. And then now we have, uh, the most reported cases in college football, which is kind of shocking to me just in the sense because we were talking about how detailed and um, all the safety measures that Texas was taking in terms of their onboarding process with their student athletes. I mean, we mentioned how they can only enter and exit uh, the facilities in one way. They have to wear a mask. They can only carpool. Um, they had really strict carpool guidelines and things like that. So 
Yeah. It was concerning to me, but at the same time, um, it's unclear where they contracted or were exposed to this virus at. So in a sense, it makes me believe like maybe they are safer. And I guess um, in terms of a health sense of not uh, contracting the virus when they are on campus, because obviously they contracted it away from campus. And so that's kind of how I'm viewing it. And I hate that <laughs> they're obviously they have the most reported cases. But um, yeah, like you mentioned, 13 um, where, yeah, 13 had confirmed positive and or presumed positive test. And then additional 10 were in self-quarantine because they believe they potentially had a close contact with those who tested positive. And then another four on top of that actually tested positive for the antibody test, which means they had uh, corona at some point in the past. So um, it's definitely a kind of high number considering uh, certain schools like University of Tennessee was doing a similar onboarding process, and they had zero of their players test positive. So that's what kind of threw me for a loop. But I do think the numbers for particular sporting teams, even the NFL, college football, whatever, um, are going to have kind of spikes in those numbers. But um, yeah, it's definitely concerning. Well, I agree that Texas is taking a lot of precautions, and it was maybe a little bit shocking. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I look at it like this. You got to hold the players accountable. Right. You know, they That's haven't all I been, about. They haven't been, you know, on campus. They haven't been going through these protocols. They were, you know, self-isolating at home. You know, maybe they were out and about doing other things. Um, you know, so I think that's probably where they contracted it. Yeah, that's pro uh, that's what I first thought of. I, I was wondering, like, where could they have contracted this virus? And I know it's um, – it, it's not something that you can kind of blame on the players because I mean, no. they could have been at a grocery store and touched the keypad and that's how they got it, for example. But at the same time, um, I don't really think Texas is at fault either, just because um, I do think they're safer on campus uh, with all the strict guidelines they're going through and they're going to be around a lot less people, I believe. And they're only allowed certain uh, can go to certain parts of the campus. Not even the full campus is really unleashed for them to roam around yet. So um, it's unclear where they got it. But um, like I mentioned, it's really hard to put the blame on a program or a team or a coach or the players. So um, I think it's just kind of unlucky at this point. Yeah, I mean, we knew, like we said, we knew this was going to happen. But I'll tell you what, uh, Kobe Boyce did not like hearing about it through Twitter, and uh, neither did the Marvian Obershaw. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Anwar Richardson of Orange Bloods and Rivals, you know, released that statement that the school released about 30 positive tests. And, you know, the Marvian Obershaw was like, I hadn't heard this, which I thought was interesting that he didn't know his teammates were contracted. But it, they can't tell him who, obviously, because mm -hmm. that's a HIPAA violation. Yeah, and I, I kind of took that uh, in both ways because I don't know exactly like how quickly head coach Sean Herman uh, got those test results, for example. So um, he probably found out maybe when the players did. You just don't know of those type of things because it's right, very because fluid in terms of the HIPAA stuff that you mentioned. So, yeah, that's just uh, tough. And obviously we know a lot of things hit social media first before a lot of people find out about them. So, um, like I mentioned, I don't necessarily blame – Herman or the football program as a whole, I think that's kind of a um, touchy subject. Well, right. And right now, Tom Herman cannot actually be involved in their voluntary workouts. Only the strength and conditioning teams can be uh, a part of that. So no staff is actually able to have contact as far yeah, as so on the football field. So I, I don't know. 
Yeah, so I thought that was a little premature that they tweeted that, uh, just that they were angry that they weren't aware of that because uh, probably most people weren't aware of that at the time and um, probably only a select few, I guess, in the medical field at the time really knew and obviously the people who tested positive. So unless, I mean, they went and told their teammates, I don't know another way where they would have found out right away. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, like I like I found out when the school released the the report that they had right. positive cases. So yeah, that's how I found out. Apparently that's how some of the players found out and they necessarily weren't happy about it. Okay. Kimmy, have you seen this 24 seven sports recently ranked all the title contenders and put them into tiers? Yeah, I saw um, a little bit about that, but I was curious how many tiers uh, were there. Uh, so the total number of tiers were six. Okay. Um, Texas falls into tier four along with Texas A&M. Michigan. And how many, how, yeah, I was going to say, how many uh, programs were included in each tier? Uh, well, it depends, because tier one was Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. Uh, okay. Then they had a tier 1.5, which was Georgia. Mm-hmm. Tier two, Oklahoma. Tier three is Florida, LSU, Notre Dame, Penn State. Texas was in tier four with A&M, Michigan, Auburn. Tier five is Oregon, USC, Washington. Tier six was Oklahoma State, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. But 24-7 went on to say Texas and A&M both on paper, have an on-paper shot. They're, you know, the most experienced teams in the country with senior quarterbacks. Uh, Texas' issue is deeper than normal. With the lack of scheme continuity following the offseason, coaching, the coaching staff changes. A lot must come together with the Longhorns and with a schedule that's somewhat front-loaded with trips to LSU and K-State come in the first month, followed quickly by a clash with Oklahoma. Uh, you know, I thought so. I thought it was interesting that they had them in tier four along with those other teams. Where, you know, I think you could look at Michigan kind of in the same light. You look at Texas, you know, people constantly saying, Is Michigan back? Is Texas back? You know, mm-hmm. so they got the high expectations, but they just haven't been able to deliver. I just thought it was interesting that they had them, you know, around tier four. Uh, I, I, I thought they might be a little higher. Um, but you know, because Penn, when I think like a, a team like Penn State, I don't think of them as a national title contender. Or yeah. even in the conversation. Yeah, but as much as I think it, Texas could be higher, they also could be lower. They just have so many uh, consistency issues, but they have the talent. So I think that's kind of a realistic place uh, to put them, or I guess alongside the programs with them in that specific tier. But like I mentioned, they have the talent to be a tier two or three, I would say, team. I think um, definitely when they play LSU, that's going to determine um, – kind of they're going to take that step this year or not. I know it's in a hostile environment, but I mean, LSU has had a lot of changes to their uh, coaching staff and roster. So um, I think that's going to be a big stepping stone for them. But yeah, it all comes down to consistency. Even if they beat LSU and in Oklahoma, for example, they can't uh, slip up against a team like Kansas or Texas Tech or something along those lines. Yeah, I, I think, and, and really, if you look at it, and, you know, something that I talked about is, you know, with those first, several games if if they're able to come out of that unscathed you know that gives them the not only the momentum but it gives them the confidence that they could go in to a hostile environment and play Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State and Oklahoma because you know those are the teams that really they're going to have to combat with if they want to make a legit run at the national championship you know those Mm -hmm. teams like Clemson and Bama and Ohio State those are who you're going to play 
Yeah, and what, what impresses me about Texas usually, uh, it seems like they always show up against the big opponents and the big programs and the uh, highly ranked opponents. What scares me is the ones, like I mentioned, like Kansas, Texas Tech, um, maybe TCU this year could be an upset. So um, what worries me is Big 12 teams that are on the lower uh, end of the spectrum. We always kind of have a game or two that gives us trouble with those. But, I mean, in the Big 12 in itself, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Oklahoma are going to be really, really tough opponents. So, um <sighs> I, yeah, it's tough. They could be higher or lower in these tiers, I guess, but we won't we won't really see until probably week four or five this season to determine if they're actually back or not. So you're telling me a 50 to 48 win over Kansas doesn't do it for you? <sighs> I mean, a win is a win, but I'm telling you, those, those are uh, uh, some high blood pressure games and a lot of, I guess, anxious nerves throughout, but it seems like we have one or two of those every single year. So I'm hoping they kind of um, become consistent to where they beat the teams they're supposed to be and hang with the best programs in the nation. So that's kind of what they need to do. Uh, that absolutely is what they need to do uh, without, without a doubt. Yeah, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Make sure you tune in to the latest edition of the Locked On NFL Draft with my guy Trevor Sykema. And Benjamin Solak, just tell your smart device to play the latest episodes. For Cammy, I'm Patrick. See you on Monday. Hook them.